Welcome to Main Menu for July 24th, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week we hear another techie tidbit from Tyler Uronic. Next, Daryl Shandro brings us part one of an interview with Nancy Miracle of Digital Miracles about Digitize, a barcode scanning app for the iPhone. That's all coming up on this week's edition of Main Menu. This is Tyler Ironic with another Techie Tidbit Review. Hey, I want a million dollars! Actually, I was just kidding. It's just a game. If you don't already understand, I'm talking about who wants to be a millionaire. Also known as Freedom Millionaire. This game is similar to the trivia show known as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, found on your common local TV stations. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is a game show where contestants answer questions for one million dollars. But I will tell you, you don't get that in real money here if you, if you get up to that level anyway. This game runs on Windows 98, Millennium, NT, 2000, 2000 Server, and XP. So if your kids, or you, are just playing by yourself, and you get a question wrong, it'd be a good idea to ask yourself, What would you do with a brain if you had one? Visit www.themillionweb.net for more info, and to download this free game. Please email me at tylerpokeman at gmail.com. Have a great week! I'm talking with Nancy Miracle, President and CTO of Digital Miracles and uh, she has a, an innovative product for blind users of the iPhone currently. Um, Nancy, good morning. Thanks for uh, interviewing uh, with me here on ACB Radio at the convention. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's a great convention. I'm having a wonderful time here. Wonderful. Well, uh, would you start uh, by uh, giving us a, a brief overview of Digital Miracles, DigitEyes, and the product that you're offering to the blind community now? Sure, I'd be, I'd be delighted to. What Digitize is, is it's a application that runs on your iPhone currently, and we're fairly shortly going to be releasing for the Android, that allows you to use your phone as a scanner. And we scan several different kinds of barcodes, and we use uh, visible light and the camera on the phone, so that you end up with something that you just have in your pocket. It just goes around with you wherever you are and you can scan UPC codes or EAN codes if you're overseas. Uh, you can scan barcodes that you make yourself. Okay, let's about, an EAN code is in Europe, is that correct? Correct, that okay. stands for European Article Number. Got it, okay. Uh, we also scan what's called GTIN numbers, okay. uh, which are Global Trading Information Numbers. Okay. 
and what happens is the UBC is kind of the great grandfather standard. Okay. Uh, EAN codes are actually a superset of UPC codes. They okay. are UPC codes on steroids with, uh -huh, an, extra okay. with an extra digit that okay. tells you uh, the country of origin uh -huh. of the party who issued it. Gotcha. And uh, GTIN numbers are actually a superset of EAN codes. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, now we can understand how that works, right? Or, Correct. Yeah, okay. There's a couple of excellent articles in Wikipedia if you actually want to go and find out a little bit more about these numbers. But the people who invented them really thought about them quite a bit. So they fundamentally they'll identify the country, they'll identify the manufacturer, and then the manufacturer identifies the product. And then there's a, a check digit on it to make sure that you actually did find all the correct numbers when, when you were reading it as mechanically. So wonderful. So these codes are found all over the place, on boxes and cans and things you get at the grocery store? Yeah, they're found on clothing, they're found on shoes, they're found on tools, uh, they're probably found on the back of your washing machine, uh, they're found on every piece in your automobile, almost certainly. They're found on drugs and cleaning products and flooring and just about anything you might want to think about. As a matter of fact, pretty much anything that is sold, at least in the United States, and in most European countries has one of those codes because they're used on the point of sale systems when, when the product is rung up. Okay, in some cases they are not informative in quite the same way uh, as you might expect because there are what are called System 2 and System 4 codes. A System 2 code just tells you the weight and price of an item. So something like when you buy meat in the supermarket, you'll find that the leading digit is a 2. Uh -huh. And the middle digits will tell you that you pay three dollars and twenty-seven cents for it. Okay, and because all that the uh, people have to know at the grocery when they ring that up is it's three dollars and twenty-seven cents. Oh, I see. So those aren't so useful for us. Uh, they, they're not particularly no. useful. Uh -uh. Uh, system four mm -hmm. codes are ones that are uniquely assigned by the store. Okay, so those are, are not universal codes. Mm. If you went into a particular store, they might have done a deal with a local farmer where they bought a bunch of lettuce, mm. but to make that lettuce be able to go through their uh, scanners at checkout, they will have assigned system four codes to it. Okay. So th those are comparatively rare. They typically deal with uh, produce okay. or some kind of specifically local item that was done for that store and that is never going to leave that store. Okay, so we don't, we don't really use those either, do we? Well, what happens, for instance, when we scan it, we'll just give you a message that says, this is a type 4 code uh, and it's been locally assigned the meaning of it's indeterminate because it's based on the store. If the uh, item is a uh, type 2 code, uh, we'll actually read it off to you and, and uh, tell you this item is uh, locally uh, sourced. So what happens is, is some of the codes, uh, we'll just inform you what they are. This is, this is a weight code, this is a local code. Uh, the vast majority of codes of what you find in a supermarket, probably 99% are public codes. So essentially, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a code on, it, uh, on just about everything and we can use that code, right, to associate this with information about a product and that that's what could be useful to a blind person, right? Yes, there, there, there's really several cases in which barcodes are useful. Okay. Uh, one of which is obviously the manufacturer's lookup. Yep. So you say, well, this is uh, Campbell's condensed tomato soup. Right. Or this is a Hannah Montana backpack right. uh, in purple. Uh, as you're shopping so you can tell it apart from the pink ones. The other thing that we do is we read uh, a special kind of code 
which uh, we let you print yourself on very inexpensive address labels okay. and you can apply to something and once you apply it you can scan it and then you record audio information to go with it so that next time you scan that code you'll hear back whatever you recorded in audio or, or for that matter for whatever somebody else recorded in audio and the reason that's useful consider this scenario you go down to the pharmacy and they have pill bottles for you and as we all know pill bottles all look alike they're all mm -hmm. sort of round cylinders and they got tops that are really hard to take off and some of them have cold medicine in them and some of them have cholesterol medicine and some of them actually have the dog's worm medicine and they're all just about the same size so one of the things that people do when they get used to having our product is they end up usually carrying a sheet of labels around in their purse or in their wallet fold it up and when you get someplace like the pharmacy you put one on the pharmacist, you know, hands over the bottle and starts to read you the long lecture about this is cold medicine and this is when you should take it. What you do is you say, hang on, pull out one of those labels, you slap it on the lid, you scan it with your phone and you say, speak to me and my phone. So then the pharmacist gives you the lecture. This is your cold medicine. It needs to be taken at 9 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock at night or whatever they may say, and lots of times they'll read you enough cautions that it probably makes you want to throw the stuff away rather right. than swallow it, but the fact remains that is then recorded on your phone, and you record that separately, you put a different label on each bottle, and when you're at the vet you do the same thing to the dog's worm medicine, so then when you go to uh, disambiguate these bottles, because you've got this bottle sitting on your sink, right? All you do is you take it, you take a picture of it with your phone, you take the scan, and you'll hear the pharmacist saying, this is your cold medicine, or conversely, the veterinary assistant saying, this is Chip's warm medicine, and give it to him once a month. So the labels are small enough to fit on a lid? Yeah, they're about an inch square. I was thinking, I thought we were talking about earlier, we were talking about some kind of disc labels or something, so they, you, can, you must be able to use different sizes. Right, what oh, happens okay. is you can print Avery makes many different sizes of address right. labels, Okay. and we p basically support every label size that Avery has from one inch, minimum dimension, up to the ones that are full sheet labels. Wow, okay. Wow. And the bigger labels are scannable farther away. Right, right, okay. And the smaller labels are sca scannable up close. Right. So there's times when you might want to make a, a really large label, and that, that kind of pertains to the, the third kind of label which is, again, it's, it's, it's an encoded label that you create yourself, but in this case it's what we call a text label. And in the case where you know what you're going to be labeling in advance, you can simply say to the website, okay, I've got labels and I've got four per sheet, or 14 or 32, or whatever the arrangement was you got, and you have to let us know where you are because the U.S. uses an unusual size of paper. Oh. We, our labels are eight and a half by 11, but most of the rest of the world uses a standard called A4, oh, wow. which are a different size of labels. So you might have trouble getting those here if you printed them up in A4. Right. Okay. We, we, we actually look at your address okay. and we say you're in the U.S. and it appears that you're using Avery Standard Labels, awesome. U.S. format as opposed to A4. Gotcha. But we print them off for you and in the case where you know what you're labeling, you can simply type in to the website, I want this printed on that label, this printed on that label, and so on. And so awesome! Wow. Okay. Yeah, 
Okay. Like, for instance, when I was doing my canning to this, okay. this year, I went ahead and said, well, I, I want to print off 12 labels that say Nancy's Strawberry Jam, June 2010. Right. So I just waited until the stuff came out of the canning bath and then pulled off a label and whacked it on the lid of each canning jar. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah. The, the, the larger labels, for instance, we had one of our, our beta testers who uh, worked in a large office complex and they were moving buildings, which is really a nuisance, if, you know, because everybody's in a different office and you oh, can't man. see where they are. Right. you got to go down the wall and feel up their wall place and try and figure right. out who's where. Right. What he did was he had his secretary actually type up uh, large codes, uh, about four inch. Wow. Ones using some labels, I think, that had been designed initially as diskette labels and he put the name of each person in each office on those labels and they just affixed them to the people's nameplates. And what that meant is because the big labels have a, a much larger scan distance, is he could go down the hall, he could tell from his face vision where the doors were, he could take his phone, scan around where the door was, and have his phone tell him who was in that office. That's, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. So that, that's a good example of where you might want a text label as opposed to an audio label. And he was how far away from, his, uh, from the doors? Uh, it's about a meter. Oh, well, that's pretty good three, like three feet. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just the normal distance that people walk away from walls. One of the nice things about Digitize is it runs on a phone, and a phone is a mainstream device. So people don't look at you strangely when you have your phone out. Aha! You know, so some of the things, you know, every time you use, you know, an unusual device, people are curious, and they want to know what it is, and that kind of gets to be a nuisance. You know, where people are looking at you saying, so what's that thing? That's true. And then you have to explain, and it's just... Yeah, either, either that or you kind of get the feeling that they're silently standing over there looking at you like you have a snake on your head or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like... I mean, you might still have to explain why you're taking pictures of doors, I suppose, but yeah, with the camera. Uh, that, that's possible, but it's, it's, it's a lot less uh, obtrusive. Exactly. And, and, and that's one of the nice things about using a mainstream device as a, a design platform. It's, it's just, it's an ordinary thing that everybody expects to have. It's not unusual. Absolutely. Okay, so now we have these, we have barcodes, we have these recorded labels, and we have pre-prepared text labels. You put these labels on the boxes and bottles and things, and you, you have barcodes. What, what happens now? Okay, well, suppose, uh, case in point, that you had CDs. Yep. Okay, once a CD is out of its case, it's kind of hard to tell what it is without putting it in the player. Sure it is. And if you have very musical tastes and you actually want something nice to listen to for dinner, it's not exactly that you want to have you know, Pink Floyd or Subway to Sally playing. Sure, right. Suddenly when you turn on the CD player. So one of the things you can do is when you're labeling stuff is you can create a label okay. and you can create them in duplicate. Put one on the cover of the CD, uh, the, you know, the, the jewel right. case. Right put the other one on the CD itself. You can put labels on the CDs? Oh, yes. Uh, really? I thought that was not such a good idea. I didn't know you could do that. Don't put them on the underside. The, oh, so the, the, the underside is the reading surface. But the, oh. top, the top side, which you can always tell because you can run your fingers across it because they uh, typically etch them or actually do um, an ink bonding process that you can feel by touch. Right, that's true. Right, you can put anything on there you want. You can write on there in magic marker, you can stick labels on them. You have to understand the Avery address labels are designed to go through the U.S. Postal Handling Equipment. Wow, that's true. Okay, and they, uh, people ask me, can I take them off and reuse them? And the answer is no. 
Right. <laughs> when they're stuck, they're stuck. Sure, because they're designed to be to stay on. Yeah. One time use, the post office would not have approved them if they came loose in the handling equipment. No. And they go through really considerable abuse. So yes, they go fine on CDs, and they won't cause a problem on on the top side, not the reading surface. Right. So. If, if you had something like that, when you have your five CDs and you want to know which one is the one you really want to listen to, you just hold it, scan it with your phone, and you'll hear whatever you recorded or whatever you wrote if you have a text label. And, and, and it's very handy because it's nice to know what's on that CD without having to listen to it. I wonder if we could demonstrate and sort of describe how the, this uh, scanning and reading process works. Sure. What this is, is this is a visible light scanner. Okay, so what we're doing is we're using the focus on the camera and the camera itself to capture the image. So on our application, what you do is you'll see there's a button that says scan. You run your fingers over it, and because it's using voiceover, it'll say scan. Or you can flick to it. Or you can flick to it, yeah, absolutely. And you activate that, and that actually activates the video camera. And we start taking a continuous video stream at that point. We recommend that you hold, particularly when you're starting, just put the object down and move the camera or put the camera down and move the object but don't move both of them at once until you get used to it. Right. Because what happens is the way the autofocus works on a camera is it uh, develops uh, suspects if you will and then it starts doing the electronic focusing. So what you're trying to do initially is to limit motion uh, to like as as much as possible one direction. Autofocus generally works better when you have motion that's either towards or away from something. And so what we usually tell people is, you know, lay the thing down. And and we actually advise you, come to our website. We have free samples that you can print and practice with where the barcodes are in absolutely known locations. And that's a good way to get started. But hold the thing down, put the camera fairly close to it, and then pull away, almost as if you're pulling taffy with your hand, almost as if there's something a little sticky. Pull it sort of gently away. And what you'll find is the way our application works, it says beep when it starts scanning. It says tick, 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 tick while it's scanning. When we get a barcode suspect, we actually speed up the ticking, but by that point it's very unlikely you'll hear it because it goes very quickly from the time that we get a suspect and the time it's resolved. It's generally fractions of a second, and the chances that you're going to hear that speeding... Not not much, yeah. Yeah, the chance that you hear that speeding tick click uh, start is is actually fairly slim. And then at the point where we have the uh, enough information as a capture, it just says beep again. Okay. At that point, you'll get a message, probably, uh, from VoiceOver that says, looking up barcode. And the reason I say probably is because based on your transmission situation, that may happen so fast that you don't get the message. Gotcha. Okay. Because what we do is we, as soon as we have that barcode number, we send over a, a very small transaction to our host computer. The host computer looks it up, and the host computer is to be candid, blazing fast, awesome. and it will send back the title, and again, in a very small transaction. And we found in, in many, many cases, what happens is we will get that number, get it to the host, get it back, and pass it over to VoiceOver for voicing before VoiceOver can even get the message out that says looking at barcode. 
Especially if you got a good a good fast 3G connection or a Wi-Fi or something like that, right? Yes, yeah. particularly. If, yeah. if, if you've been running a Wi-Fi connection yeah. and you already have very good connectivity, the chances yeah. that you hear that message are actually quite slim. Right, okay. So that's unfortunate, or a good thing, as the case may be. It just no. kind of depends on, on what your druthers are. I have my knitting bag with me. Oh, hey. Okay, so I've got a... Now, uh, we, have, we have listeners who are into knitting. Yes, indeed. Well, I, oh. I have a fine selection because I'm making a, an afghan out of uh, Lion Brand yarn right here. Okay, so I'm, I'm holding this uh, fine consumer product in uh, my hand. Okay. Scanning. Tap twice to cancel. It's ticking. I heard the right. tick. Tick. Looking up barcode. Barcode read, Lion Brand Yarn 860-190 Vanis Choice, Colonial Blue. It even has the color on it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's so that the uh, person who's ringing it up in the store rings up the right color so they know what to replenish. So if you're going to scan a uh, text label, I happen to have one on the back of my business cards. Okay. Um, all you do, again, same sort of thing. You start out, you hit the scan button. So could we, could we try this? Uh, could I try this demo? Um, sure. Okay. So I have to try to do it because, you know, I'm the... Okay, which, which, which one do you want? Do you want a uh, business card? Here's a business card. Let me try to do the business card. So that has a text label on it, That has it, right? a text label, and the text label yeah. is right about in the center. Okay, but I don't know... Okay, so here's the thing, right? I don't know that it's here. Right. So. Generally, now, generally what happens is when we print labels, that's kind of an unusual case for us. Right. They're printed on tactile labels. Right. So here, here's, here's one that, okay. except I don't think I've got a recording on it. Uh, that's a voice label. Right. Oh, okay. That's how they'd feel. Right. Okay. Well, why don't we do... Uh, that actually is specifically why we made the decision to print on address labels. Right. Uh, so la you can find them easily. Right. Okay. So labels may not be... Okay. Maybe I should start. Maybe I should do the, the, the yarn again. Sure. Because I'm not going to know where the barcode is. See, that's, that's true. So I just got this thing at home on my phone. Okay, have, have some yarn. Idea. Okay, and I assume the barcode is on this piece of paper somewhere, right? Right. One of the things that you learn about scanning a lot of stuff is you learn where manufacturers hide stuff. Okay. And labels uh, almost always have the barcode someplace adjacent to the seam. That's, that's good to know. Yes. Okay, They're so up. like it's not going to be here, for instance, Absolutely on the not. other side. Right, because you have to th understand that the labels exist for uh, marketing purposes, okay. on the one hand, to entice the consumer, okay. and for identica identification purposes, on the other hand, okay. to you know help out the POS system. Okay. So I'm going to hand you this. Okay. So I've received some training. I'm not, I won't scan, try to scan the other side of it, okay. but still. Now, this, this is a Okay, watch out. The, right. the camera for the iPhone is up there on the back side. Right. So it's, it's behind your finger on the back side. Right, okay. So I need to keep that in mind. All right. Okay. And you're going to want to... Ooh, Start out with it close. Right, you want to find the scan button on the thing. Right. Just... Now I on need to do this. Okay, so I found. Yep. I'm gonna orient the camera like. Uh, you don't have to be real careful about orienting. We're not sensitive to skew. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm just gonna see if I'm somewhat lined up though. Scanning. 
So I'm yeah, start to close, 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 close. close. Start that close. Okay, about yeah. an inch away. Yeah, and then just pull back. Pull up. Okay, now if you get it. That's great. If you don't oops, you already Open got up it. Too bad. I was gonna so we went, we kind of went up and kind of a little bit to the left this time. Yeah, well, what, I was actually going to have you go down and try it again, but it was too bad. You got a picture of the whole label and there. That was the end of it. Oh, would there have been another scenario? Well, if, if you didn't find it, I would have told you to, if, if you had come all the way up there okay. and you hadn't, if you'd gotten like a foot away and you hadn't found it, oh. I would have told you to come down closer and maybe move it around a little bit and then pull it up again. Okay, so, so you sort of start out, we're, we're doing, a, you know, the description is more important since, I'm, you know, we don't have a, we're not live like with people physically here to show mm -hmm. them. Um, so a description is... We start close, what, an inch away, maybe? Definitely, yeah. And then we go up, like, we just go straight up. As it goes, tick, 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 beep. And then somewhere here, it's beeping. Right. Because you're actually increasing the footprint. Right. That the camera's able to see. Right. See, what happens is barcodes are not the same size, and that's what we're dealing with. Okay. Some of the barcodes could be as small as an inch across, at which point you're going to get a capture only a few inches off. I need to be closer Right. For now, that. Now, see, what happens is this is actually quite a large barcode because this is a big skein of yarn, so this particular barcode is several inches across, okay. and, and you actually got a capture on that when you were probably about 12 inches away. Right. Okay, now one of the things to note here is uh, by the time you were 12 inches away, you were, the camera was getting a good picture of probably most of that skein of yarn. Right, it was kind of, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. and that, that's actually one of the characteristics of the iPhone 4. You're running on a 4 right now. Yeah. Um, you can easily end up taking a picture of the whole uh, bag of potato chips, for instance, right. and it will find the barcode on it. The other thing I'm going to note is, you see how you're holding this camera right, right here? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, the barcode, if with your other hand, is actually running this direction. Okay. Your your camera is more than 45 degrees out of true. Oh, and, and do you I want it to be like this? Or no. No, I want it to be this way. No, no, my point is it didn't care. It didn't care. It didn't right. care. We are not sensitive to skew. So like right now it's 90 degrees off, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, the point is that for our product you don't have to line stuff up. And see, that's very important. It, it absolutely critical. is. Because when, when we actually started uh, well doing too. this product, okay. Here you go. one of the things we did was we looked at other... Uh, scanning products and we kept hearing things like thus and such a product is not satisfactory to me because I'm supposed to line up this barcode in this little box and I'm not sighted and I can't do that. Right. And I just paid 99 cents for something that didn't work. And, and, and that makes people very angry. And you know justifiably so. As a result when we did our design research one of the things that we decided we had to do was to make sure that the product was not sensitive to skew. Exactly. And that, that we could mathematically clean up the uh, image to a point where we didn't have to worry about whether it was, at, for instance, in your hands, it was, it was 45 degrees rotated. And we wanted to be able to mathematically clean that up so you didn't have to worry about am I square to this label. Is that the same, uh, is that the same with barcodes and with text labels? Yes. In all cases. Uh, our, our software is designed so that you don't have to worry about alignment. Once you learn these 
some of these techniques, it really is amazing. Um, you you can you can scan uh, reliably. I I was thinking at first, you know, when I first got this and was trying to work with it, that this would would be difficult, but it really isn't. Um, but it, again, it's what you probably have these tips on the website as well. Do you? Yes, we do. Right. And okay. and if somebody's having a problem with one of the things we also have on the website is a link that says contact us. You'll find when you're scanning that there is, among other things, on the scan screen, there's a cancel button. Right. There's also one where you can take a picture. Oh. And what happens is if you have a problem and you can't figure it out, uh, first of all, we advise you consider working with somebody, you know, a friend, you yeah. know, who's sighted, because that's always easy. You can contact us and we will give you advice. And worst case, if we really can't figure it out and you can't figure it out, just you can click the button, send us pictures. And we have, for instance, diagnosed a case of someone who had an iPhone that had a non-working camera on it. Oh my goodness. Oh, that, that's well, a bummer. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, he'd never taken pictures before, so he wouldn't know. Yeah. So, and we were going, what on earth is wrong, you know, with the setup? We can't figure it out. It's very frustrating. We finally said, here, use this feature. Uh, we actually developed it because of this particular problem. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, just touch it over here and, and send us a picture of what your camera's seeing. And we saw, saw it and it was totally black. We said, uh-oh, this is not good. Sent them over to the Apple store. They said, oh, that's interesting. You have a phone that has a camera that doesn't work. Why didn't you notice this? And the guy goes, because I'm blind. Exactly. <laughs> I don't use a camera. Now I'm trying to use an application that requires the camera, and it doesn't work. Right. And, and you know, why would you think I would know this? One of the things to note, uh, and if, this, <laughs> if you're using this the first time, right. uh, you should clean the lens on your camera. Okay. Oh, right. You, yeah. You could just do that with a regular garden variety commercial lens cleaner. Um, okay. You can get it any place, stuff like you use on eyes glasses or stuff like okay. you use on cameras, uh, because the chances are that that thing has been riding around in your pocket or your purse, and if you've never used it before and you've had your fingers over the lens, uh, the iPhone is not going to be the first camera in the world that has a lens that you can cover up with, say, ice cream and still have it work. Uh, well, yeah, now, now that iClear stuff that you use on the screen, is that okay for the camera or is that we actually use lens we use iClear on the screen and then we use uh just regular uh lens cleaner okay on the um uh lens because i, I believe iClear actually contains some uh material for smoothing scratches oh well i'm thinking i wonder if what if somebody got that oh so you need to be careful probably with I, I think you should probably ask Apple about it. But, okay. Uh, our, our advice is use lens cleaner on lens and eye clear on screens because that's what they're designed for. Okay. And then and then this is uh, this is in a case. Do do these sure. kinds of cases? I you know like I have an iPhone four with a leather kind of yeah, hard case around it. Quite quite a snazzy one. Do I they? Say. You like that, huh? I do. Do they? Do they? Do these cases affect the camera? I mean, I know there's a hole for the camera, but does. Do you think this affects the ability of using apps like Digitize? No. Oh. No, I, I don't think it would have any effect whatsoever. I That's mean, a good thing. A, as long okay. as it doesn't obscure the camera lens. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so you, so there's a sort of a uh, uh, a border around it by the provided by the case, but right. it's not a problem. Now, one of the things to note on the iPhone 4, the, the 4 is different than the 3. Yeah. In the uh, 4, the lens on the camera is actually underneath the glass. Right. So it's uh, somewhat more protected 
Uh, exactly. That's why I was okay. So we were talking about the when we were talking about cleaning the lid, the lens. We were talking about the iPhone three. Right? Yes, most most of our listeners will have the three GS at this right. point. The four actually has what's called Gorilla Glass on both right. sides. Um, and if you want to go by and visit my husband at the booth, he'll tell you all about it because he works for Corning, who makes the Gorilla Glass. Oh wow, awesome! And uh, he will he will tell you more about glass than you ever wanted to know. But it's very 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 tough stuff. And uh, it, it, it can be cleaned very nicely without any problem. Tell, tell us, how did you, you know, how and why did you start Digitize? Well, I started Digitize because I knit. And <laughs> I'm the webmaster in real life. Uh, one of my clients is uh, Lion Brand Yarn, which has long had an accessible website for people who knit and crochet. And I participate in a number of uh, groups online for people who are not sighted, who knit and crochet, so I can talk to them about, you know, are we doing a good job? And partially just because I'm a knitter and I like to talk to other knitters. So it's kind of a case of enlightened self-interest. Last October, one of the ladies in one of my knitting groups was complaining that her color detector had busted. And I said, innocent me, so what's a color detector? And I got okay. quite nearful. And I said, oh, that's interesting. After kind of the laughing and hooting and in some cases cursing, it sort of died down. I said, so, so what other kind of things do you have? And I started getting an earful about all the things that people either did have and used or had and had had to retire because they were obsolete or broken. Yeah. And, and that's when I started finding out about some of the frustrations about assistive technology. You know, some of these are great ideas, uh, some of them work great in single situations, but they seem to all be single-purpose devices. Uh, you end up having one unit for this and one unit for that and one unit for the other. Everybody was able to give me lists of stuff they had bought over time or had bought for them that was now sitting basically in a, in a shoebox someplace. You know, I used to use this or I used to use that. And it, it, it struck me, particularly as I started hearing about the cost of these and, and the inconvenience of some of them, but also the fact that they did useful things. It, it struck me that these were a natural thing to be put onto a general purpose platform like the phone. The, the, the phones of today are, are, are in some senses mis, uh, misnamed because they really aren't phones. Uh, what they are is they are computers with integrated audio-visual capability that are extremely portable. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, this, this little square gadget you have in your pocket that just announced your phone call uh, has uh, more compute power on that than a mainframe computer probably had 10 years ago. But you know what, what happened was when I was thinking about this problem and these ladies were explaining this to me, uh, it just seemed to me that this stuff could gonna be put on a, um, a general purpose platform and we could do it and have it be very economical for people because this idea about you have to pay for each separate device uh, has two things to me that seem inherently flawed. One is the word separate device. It's, it's not good to have 15 things if you can have one. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. and, and the other one is separate costs. It's not good to pay separate amounts for each of these uh, if you could just have it all on one and pay one fee. You could easily have a bag uh, full of ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. Yes, I mean it, there were, there was no question about it. I mean some of the people I talked to had easily five thousand dollars worth of equipment sitting in front of them while they were talking to me, yeah. and we weren't talking about their computer. Oh. Yeah, we were talking about just routine things they were using around the house 
to label uh, and, and to understand objects. And it just seemed to me that there was a better solution, that it could be done more easily, it could be done cheaply, and it could be done on standard hardware. And that was kind of why, why we kind of went into to doing it. I went and talked to a couple of friends and they agreed and we decided to put it together and try it out. And it, it worked, and here we are. And, you know, I mean, we, we did hit our price point. We, we'd initially thought that we were going to go for 10% of the price of the equivalent adaptive hardware. And then one Even of my... that would have been phenomenal. Yeah, but one, one of my partners said, you know, he goes, no. He goes, that's not right. He goes, that's not aggressive enough. Let's sell it for 1%. Yeah. And that's how we ended up with a product that sells for basically $30, $29.99. Because, and, and, and that's a fair price. It'll take us a while to make it back. Uh, I mean, we have to pay for coming to wonderful shows like this yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but it, I, th I think it's a fair price, and, and it's one that's, that's reasonable where somebody can pay it. Uh, without undue harm to themselves. This is about what you pay to go out for a fancy dinner. Sure. And, and it's, you know, it, it's reasonable. Yeah. One of the things we did learn at, at the show, we, we initially, when people asked us about this, we said, oh, it's, it's very reasonable, it's $29.99. And there were some people who said, well, that seems a little pricey. And I was going, wow, you guys, you guys have challenging expectations. And then I realized the reason why was there was somebody behind us who was selling things that they claimed were moderately priced displays that were about uh, $4,500. Uh -huh. And there was somebody across from me selling scanners for $1,500. And people were thinking when I said $2,999, they meant $2,999. Oh. Oh, now that's interesting. And I said, no, 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 no. Oh. That's $29. <laughs> It, it was a real aha for me because that was the validation of my 1% pricing theory. It really does pay you to consider the uh, iPhone. I mean, the, the 3GS now, there's a version that's being sold over at Walmart for $99, which is unbelievable. I know the camera in the iPhone 4 is a lot, a lot cooler and a lot more capable. Do you work? Do you find you work pretty well in the 3GS? Or oh yes, our yeah? our, our product was uh, entirely developed and tested on the 3GS. Oh oh great okay. Uh, we we at, at the time Apple of course hadn't announced exactly what the characteristics were, other than to the extent that the poor young man had lost his in the bar in Redwood City and had right. it taken apart by Gizmodo. <laughs> uh, right. So there there was only some rumors about it, um, but we actually worked entirely. Uh, in, the, in the 3GS design platform and you know just waited to be happily surprised by the 4 when it came out. Now does, does Digitize currently, does it take advantage of the um, increased capabilities of the 4? To some extent, yes. Okay. Uh, we the version we do we do basically uh, software releases about once a month. Right. Okay. The end of July software release actually will be integrating the flash uh, handling. Right now we aren't using the flash camera. We're just using the camera capabilities. Okay. Uh, and the reason why was at the time we were preparing our June release, Apple had not yet released the API that allowed us to access the flash. Aha. Okay. That's just been released. So the first time that we could actually take advantage of it was almost just about a week ago. So right now, with Digitize, you need you need certain lighting conditions. How how does that work? Um, Digitize will tell you if the lighting conditions are insufficient. Okay. Uh, you'll you'll get a message that says not enough light to scan. Uh, right now we're sitting someplace uh, that's I would say was probably about the. Uh, probably about the equivalent of about a 30 or 40 watt bulb sort of candlelight kind okay. of color. 
and digitize will work down to very low light levels. Because we've been very successfully using digitize here with this lighting. Yes, and as a right. matter of fact, uh, I was using it back in, in your booth in your radio corner back there, which is absolutely the darkest place in this entire hall. <laughs> and it was working there too. Yes, it was fine without right. the flash. Right. With, the, with the flash, you can actually uh, take pictures in the dark. Right. Uh, or so close to dark it doesn't matter. Because uh, it's a very bright LED flash. It's actually a little light is what it is. So you're going to, you're going to, are you going to determine when to use the flash and when not? Or is yes. it going to be a user adjustable setting or how's that going to work? No, we just, it, we, we did some work on characterizing it and the uh, auto detect for the light levels works fine. Oh. Okay, now in some of our other products we actually are controlling the flash because we needed to. But in the case of uh, Digitize, you know, the, the way it was set up. Uh, you have, uh, your company sells other products as well? Oh, we're uh, in the process of, of developing some new things. Um, the one that's probably of most interest to people, and uh, as a matter of policy, we don't tell you until we have something in beta test. Oh, right, I know. So uh, I can't tell you about much beyond this product, but we actually have a uh, color identifier uh, that will be going into beta test uh, early next week and provided that our beta testers love it and uh, pass it for us because we do go through a very rigorous beta process and our beta team is 100% not cited and if they say it doesn't go, it doesn't go. Or if they say it needs change, it gets changed because we trust them and believe them uh, and follow their direction. But provided that it does go successfully through beta, uh, we'll be releasing that probably about four weeks. Have you been Have you been showing that to to uh, people at the show? Oh sure, we, we we we've uh, actually <laughs> demonstrated that to a couple of people. If you want, I can show it to you right now, just for granted. That would that would be great. I I, I will say then that uh, you know uh, Nancy oh. showed that to me uh, before this interview. Uh, we were we were we were we were talking shop and everything, and she showed it to me, and I was like. When can I have it? When can I have it? <laughs> I love it. I mean, I mean, we were talking about Thank some improvements, but I'm like, that doesn't need much improvement. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. But I know, I understand. I, I really, really, uh, uh, folks, you know, I think uh, Nancy's group that really tries to do things right. And, you know, as we've always said, uh, people are like, when is the new Jaws coming out? When is the new Window Eyes coming out? And a lot of us, those of us in the know, uh, or somewhat in the know, I guess, you know, in the technology field, say, just wait, just wait, it's better to be patient, make, make, uh, you know, don't, don't make, uh, you know, haste makes, makes waste, so to speak, so, uh, you know, just hold your horses, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's very important to us that we don't end up giving people a frustrating experience. Exactly. And, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, so software is an easy thing to be angry at, so we'd rather, <laughs> you know, we'd rather not have people be frustrated and angry at it. And as a result, if if we err, we probably err on the side of testing too much. Uh, but I think that's a, a, a better direction to go than the converse. Absolutely. And toss something out there that's really not not useful. Oh, because we have to release it by a certain date, right? Yeah, right. Of course not. <laughs> now, 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 happily, Digitize is not a public company, so we don't actually fall into that got to do anything to please the shareholders. Right. Uh, so that, that, that's not one of the problems we suffer from. Yeah. Uh, so here, we, here we've got a product. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, bring it up. Uh, 
What did you call it? Colorized. 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 Okay. Right. Uh, we're I love it. I love, <laughs> I love the names. Oh yeah, we've we've got uh, in house. We've got a, a whole bunch of useful names. If we release something for our gardener, we're going to call it fertilized. <laughs> so we, we, we've thought of many many options of of, of useful things. Okay. Uh, so I, I've got this here, and I'm going to hit. Uh, oh, I'm going to hit my shirt. I've, I'm, I'm wearing one of our very attractive uh, digitized show shirts, and now, now we already know. Uh, I already know what color it is, but I'm not going to say. Yeah, we're we're kind of in a limited color environment here, so I just picked something that was close. So I'm going to tap the button. Scan color button. Viewfinder image. Tap to focus. Okay, but it's yeah still working. It's processing the image right the now. The red was detected. So, and it is red. Yeah. And and and. and um, the color red was detected. I noticed that it um, now now so it used flash for this. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Should we find out what color trousers you're wearing? Yes. Sure. Let's just stick that down can, right can now. Can I press it? Uh, this this stays down here. You're oh. gonna have to come down here. There's the button. Like, sorry, I have it upside down. Okay. Pull, pull the pull your finger towards you. Find the button. Scan color. The color red scan color. Yeah. Okay. Now, oh, it's right up against it. Is yep. that the way it should be? Yes. Viewfinder image. Tap to focus. Don't worry about that. Right. The color brownish black was detected. The color brownish black. Right. And you were in fact wearing sort of brownish the black color trousers. Brownish black was detected. See, and I like I like the fact that I, I was talking with a friend last night, and she said, you know, I have a color detector, you know, and 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 she says, you know, but it's not it's not great for it's not great for girls. And I said, at first I was like, well, why is a color detector? You know what I mean? This, again, we're talking about a standalone device now. You know, another one of those pieces of assistive technology. I said, why is a color detector, what, what makes a color detector good for girls or not, or good for guys or, you know, whatever? What, why'd you say that? She says, well, you know, we girls always have to match our clothes just so, and we have to know exactly what color we have. Whereas you guys, uh, you just wear black and white or, you know, whatever. You don't really care as much. You just need to make sure you don't clash. And she's like, you know, this color detector I have, it's not very, I don't think it's detailed enough for girls. She's like, I'm looking for a decent color detector that, you know, that will, you know, that will meet my needs. Uh -huh. And, and uh, I was like, oh, that's very, very, very interesting. You know, uh, you know, who, who developed these things? Well, it sounds like, you know, you, you have a lot of detail in your, in your color uh, descriptions. Right. I mean, if you actually think about the number of RGB colors, there's millions of them. Yeah. And you certainly don't want a specific <laughs> name to each one of them. No. But you probably want more than 12 or 40 or even 100. I, 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 think, these, these, I think these color detectors um, are, I think they only have like 12 or 24 at the most. Um, Many colors. of them have a small number. I yeah. think the, uh, I think... I, I believe one of them I looked at had about 30. I think one of them had about 40. Okay. This Some of them have a few more. Um, but, you know, the, the, the color differentiation will be like pink, light pink, dark pink, red, light red, dark red. Okay. Over, say, six or eight primary shades. 
and so my friend is saying that's not enough. She your friend probably want wants to know if you know something's you know fairly close in, in terms of color. Yeah. And that actually brings us to a, a, another interesting issue that we've been trying to deal with, which is the issue about identifying clothing and doing washing labels. Exactly. Okay. And we actually do have a couple of solutions for washing labels, because oh. what you really want to do is once you know what it is. You don't want to have to like scan the color on the pants every day to find out that your tan pants match your tan shirt and no. don't go so well with your purple shirt. What you really want to know is this is my purple shirt and this is my tan shirt. Uh, and, and if you're a guy, you probably just want to know is it black or is it blue, yeah. right? <laughs> if you're a lady, you want to know. So one of the things that we've been very interested in working on and we have one solution now, we're probably going to be having another solution within a couple of weeks, it's still an alpha test, uh, is the uh, digitized labels turn out to be very washable. What you do is you just put two of them back to back, you run them through a regular garden variety laminating machine. Oh, now that's interesting. Are we talking about these Avery labels? Yep, absolutely. Oh. What happens is if you print up a double label sheet, because you don't know whether you're going to be scanning it from side A or side B, Ah, okay. And you get it as a PDF. We actually have some very detailed instructions on our website okay. on how to do this. Okay. Um, and we'd advise you, if you're skeptical about this, start out by going to your local stationers and getting a package of the uh, laminating sheets that they use for ID badges. Okay. So you can just try this out for a couple of bucks. Okay. Satisfy yourself that it right. works. Okay. Uh, but the way that uh, laminating film works is if you put your label in it, so two labels back to back of the same one, right? Uh, put them in laminating film, uh, slam it together. We, we've actually used just not even the heat laminating film, the kind of stuff that's sticky. Okay. Uh, we typically will put two of them in a single uh, thing that's intended for uh, ID badges. Right. Cut it in half, and you can tell exactly where they are because you can tell them by feel. Right. Rub them together so it's nicely stuck. We punch a hole in the corner of them so that you can put a safety pin through the hole. Ah. Uh, and we, we, we punch it so it's not going through the paper. Right. And the way that you do it then is you put the tag on the item. I just usually hang them over the tag that goes in the back of the neck or a belt loop right, or something. Right, right. Scan them with a the phone and voice what they are. These are my favorite pair of jeans. These are the jeans I like pretty well, but I understand they sort of beg in the seat, so maybe they're going to be worn for gardening. Or whatever I'm going to say about right, them. Right, right, okay. Put them on. When I get ready to get dressed, I can just go through the closet and scan these. You can find them easily because you can feel them. It's not one of those things about where's the tag. Right. Bring out the things I want to wear, take the tag off the shirt, take the tag off the pants, and put them on the sink. So I know what it is. It's on me, right? Right. Come home, time to change into something else. I take the shirt off. I scan both tags so I know which one's the shirt tag, which one's the pants tag. Safety pin it right over that label and toss it in the wash. The, 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 the label won't come off? No. Wow. Safety pins say safety pins. There's no problem with that. They, well, no, what I mean is well, the, the pin won't break or... Nah. The, oh, oh, because you've actually pinned the plastic part of the, yeah. the label on it. What, what happens is I just, I've just used uh, a regular hole punch and just put right. the safety pin yeah. through that so there's no um, damage. Yeah. The, uh, the labels will probably wear out eventually. As a matter of fact, they'll certainly wear out right. a bit. I mean, heck, everything wears out. Right. I'm going to wear out. Uh, <laughs> the, the world's going to stop going around the I, sun. I'm going to wear out faster. No, just kidding. <laughs> there we go. Oh. But uh, the, the, we've got some tags actually over at our booth that you can come over and uh, take a feel on. Those uh. actually have been through the wash at least 25 times, maybe wow. more. 
um, what we do is we they have them on top of our, uh, our washer and our dryer, uh, uh, and every time we put something in, we fasten some labels yeah. to it and toss a penny in the jar. Uh, Count the number of pennies. You can tell how many times something's gone through. But those labels have been washed, bleached, uh, and the heat dried at least 25 times, and they look like new. And color detection plays into things other than clothing. Okay. Um, if you're, you know, wanting... Sure, it does. That's just, like, the most obvious uh, Exactly. Do, okay. If, you, if you're wanting to, like, match fabrics or pick out, you know, pillows for your living room or uh -huh. uh, drapes or anything like that, uh, being able to know the name of the color you're looking for and then seeing if things match to it is, is a very useful thing. You know, to me, it's an independence thing and it's a parody thing. Yeah. Okay, and the reason it's parody is because sighted people also go shopping with each other. Yeah. And, you know, have the same kind of run-in with the salesperson where the salesperson says, oh, that would look so cute on you. And, you know, in fact, <laughs> it makes you look like a giraffe with dyspepsia. <laughs> right? Uh, and, and they just want to get it off their rack. Yeah. Right? So, you, you know, it, 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 it gives you a, a similar experience to a, a sighted person shopping for something. I think that's important. Yeah. And it gives you an independent experience where... Where you don't have to say, oh, can you please tell me about this? And as you say, put up with a surly shop assistant or perhaps a, a, a one who's lying uh, because they do want to get you to like take that one article they haven't been able to sell. And, and, and it puts you in the same uh, level of independence. So I, I, I don't think that's silly. I, th I think that's actually very important. I think it's very liberating. It's all about accessibility, right? Accessibility and independence. Yeah. Being able to make the same, being on the same playing field, being able to make the same kinds of decisions for the same reasons that anybody else would make them. So, so everybody, you need to know this because we, we haven't uh, said that Nancy is sighted. Yes, that's correct. Well, you're, 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 you're talking like, you're saying things like, you know, like, like you're blind. I mean, Nancy is like part of our community, but she's sighted. How awesome is that? How many, how many people do you, any of you out there know who are, who are this uh, involved? Not, not too many. Yes, well, it's, 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 it's important to me. <laughs> That's uh, great. It's uh, important to, uh, you know, it's, it's important to me as a design problem. It's important to me as, as a personal problem. Uh, and it's important because it's a problem that should be solved. So, you know, just keep that in mind, you know, when eventually, a couple years from now, other people are playing in this space, ask them. <laughs> See, what, 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 what are your, who's working for you and what are they, what are their, uh, what are their interests in this thing? Yeah, what, what, yeah one, of the, one of the things to note is that of the people who are working on Digitize, uh, fully half of the people are blind. Awesome. Okay, because of the fact that, you know, no matter how empathetic a sighted person may be or how intelligent you are as a designer or how much you struggle to understand the environment, it's not the same as being there. Well, I, you know, exactly. But, you know, it's, 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 very, um, it, it's very gratifying to see. I, I'm normally, in many cases, I'm like, well, this company really needs to be run by blind people. You know what I mean? Because they, because the people who are there don't know. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Don't sure, know sure. their market. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, some of the, some of these companies are like, well, oh, this company is obviously run by a lot of sighted people who think they know, you know, what's best for me. And and this is a case where you know, yeah, Nancy's sighted, but but yeah, she's cool and she gets it. <laughs> and I'm really I'm really impressed by that because sadly, even even in the AT field. 
I, I don't see that as much as I'd like. Well, you know, you know, nobody's been really shy about telling me. Uh, there, there, there have been a lot of people who've, you know, been, and, and this is one thing that, that I think is great, there have been a lot of people who have been upfront both with praise and with criticism. And we value criticism. I'm very interested in hearing what people have to say that's bad. Because there's always something interesting there. Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, Nancy came up uh, to the ACB radio booth. We, we actually did a live interview a couple days ago here at convention. And you remember the first thing? Was like, oh, I got that and it doesn't work. And oh, then yeah, Nancy that's right. Spins, you remember? And I'm like, I mean, I was pretty nice about it, I think. But I did say, well, it doesn't work for me. And, and, and I was surprised because I got an iPhone 4 and I, you know, the camera's supposed to be even better. And, and within, you know, two minutes, she showed me why it doesn't work. And it's because I was waving the camera around like a, like a ID made or something. And, you know, just stuff like that. So, um, you know, um, somebody who takes the time to explain, explain things to people and, and, uh, and tries to put instructions on the website. Now, had I, had I actually bothered to look at the website <laughs> after getting my iPhone and before coming to convention, maybe I, I would have uh, not gone through that process, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that's always one of the things that's hard about designing things. You want to design things that people can pick up and use and have be exactly right. Yeah. Um, but the the truth is also there there's a learning curve in almost every device. Yeah. I mean whether it's a cane or it's a mixer or a typewriter or a computer or whatever it may be, there's always a learning curve. To learn more about the app, visit www.digitize.com. That's www.digit-eyes.com. Next week, part two of Daryl Shandro's interview with Nancy Miracle of Digital Miracles about Digitize. Have a great week.